16 is where we are. And this morning, our scripture reading comes from verses 1 through 17 of this gospel. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in that person, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Lord has loved me, excuse me, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. For greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. May the Lord bless to our understanding the reading of this, his holy word. Amen. And Lord, may the words that cross my lips, may the meditations upon each one of our hearts be acceptable to you. And speak, Lord, deeply through what I say this morning. Amen. Well, when Jesus said, I am the true vine, John tells us it was before the Passover feast, while he's gathered probably in the upper room with his disciples, and just a few days after he has entered into the city of Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna and the waving of palm branches. And the vine, I am the true vine, the vine was a familiar and treasured image all over Israel. First of all, the land of Israel, as I understand it, and and Palestine is just filled with vineyards. You can see them many places, as well as olive orchards and fruit trees. So um, vines and branches are right before the people's eyes. In that regard, Jesus was using a very familiar picture that was kind of an everyday thing. Everybody understood. They knew that. But the vine 
was also a symbol of the entire nation of Israel. Isaiah, the prophet, sings the song of the vineyard about someone who planted a vineyard, did all the right things necessary to make it grow, to protect it, to nurture it. And then the farmer looks for a good crop of grapes. That's why you plant a vineyard. You want grapes. But instead, he gets bad fruit. The song turns out to be a metaphor for the relationship between the Lord and Israel. And Isaiah says, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. The Lord gave birth to. He chose, he nurtured a people. He provided them everything that he could give them so that they would be bearing the type of fruit that the Lord wanted. But instead, Israel rebelled, did their own thing, and went against the Lord and his purposes for them. In Jeremiah, the Lord speaks, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt and wild vine? Again, in Hosea, the Lord speaks of Israel as a spreading vine that's bringing forth actually fruit. But as the fruit increased and as the people became more prosperous, they also began to build more altars to false gods and to false religions. They left the Lord. Psalm 80 sings of how Israel was a vine the Lord brought out of Egypt, but then he left it to be destroyed by others when the people rejected the Lord. And Psalm 80 cries out to God for a new start that the Lord would look on them again and restore his people. It says, watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the branch you have raised up for yourself. The vine became a symbol, much like an eagle is a symbol of our country. The vine was on the coins of Jewish money. On the front of the temple, engraved in gold, was a long, huge vine that was, one historian said, it was as large as a man, if you saw it. When you went to the temple, you saw that vine. Everybody saw it. When you saw a vine anywhere, you thought Israel, the chosen people of God. The thing was, and the Holy, the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures testify to this, every time the vine is talked about, it is talked about in a negative way. Every song, every sermon about Israel as a vine was that they did not produce the fruit, but they'd become wild, they'd become rebellious. The vine was not true to the Lord. And so when Jesus said he was the true vine, the true vine, he was claiming something about himself to be the new, the real Israel, the one who was fulfilling God's purposes for his people, the one who was now calling followers to belong to him and become his people. And through now, God's plan is going to be fulfilled, the fruit that he wants in the world. In fact, Notice how many times in these I am statements that we're studying of Jesus, notice how many times he uses a picture, an image that is unmistakably from Israel's history and their worship. I am the bread of life. That would have immediately sent Jewish minds back to when they, the, the Lord sent manna from heaven and fed them in the wilderness through the hands of Moses. I am the light of the world. Would have reminded them of the pillar of light through which the Lord led the people through the wilderness by day and by night as he took them out of Egypt. I am the good shepherd. Think Psalm 23. 
Think Ezekiel's sermon when the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to come myself and I'm going to be the shepherd of my own people. And now I am the true vine. Now, the Greek word for true means to be real, to be genuine, to be authentic. Jesus is the true vine because there was a vine that was not genuine. The best way, I think, always to understand Jesus is against the background of uh, the history of Israel. He is the Jewish Messiah. Upon him, all the hopes of that nation rest upon him. Our understanding, our appreciation, I would say our worship of Jesus is enriched as we understand that Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the history, the life of Israel, it is the soil out of which the Christian faith comes from and it is the heritage that Jesus came to fulfill. Jesus says that while he's the vine, we are the branches. And that we are to remain in him. That word remain came up again and again as we read that 15th chapter of John. Maybe you heard it a lot. It is a favorite of John. In his gospel, he uses that word remain 67 times. A form of this word appears at least 67 times. And the word sometimes reads in some Bibles to abide, abide in me. It can also mean to continue with, to persevere, to last, to stick with, to make your home with. One Bible scholar said there's an idea of loyalty in this word remain. Uh, A loyalty not from being for the vine, but being from the vine. We do not hold the vine, but we allow ourselves to be held as branches are held by a vine. Jesus, in essence, he's saying, stick with me. Stick with me. Make your home with me. Jesus' image of of, a vine and branches, to me, it seems very relational. A vine is connected to the branches. There's a relationship going on there. We have to stick to him. We have to remain connected to him in order to be the fruit-bearing disciples that he wants us to be. There's a relationship to be entered into and then nurtured and then enjoyed. Well, how does that happen? One of the surprising ways it happens is through the pruning, the cutting back of the father who is the vine dresser, who is the gardener, if you would. Whenever you hear or you read cut back or prune in John 15, it's the same word. It also carries the meaning of cleanse. The father cuts back in order to stimulate more growth and more fruit in our lives. Now, at first, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to cut off branches and vines off of a plant or a tree. It appears to be counterproductive. But those who know Like our plant lady, Donna Ree. Those who know will tell you that, you know what? When you prune a shrub or a plant or a tree, it actually stimulates growth and you will get more healthier growth in the long run. In our yard, at our house, we have along our front walkway uh, these shrubs. I don't know what they're called. What are they called? We don't know what they're called. Doesn't matter. And uh, every year, about two or three times a year, Nancy goes out there and just chops those things. And uh, just down to a stub. And you know what? About two, three months, they just, they're back. 
And they're starting to bear leaves in these little yellow flowers right now. They're just all over the place. Um, same with our lavender bushes, which, by the way, are block, blocking my sprinkler heads. Uh, same with a large rose bush we have on the side of our yard. Nancy, she, she cuts that rose bush back to almost nothing. It just looks like it's slaughtering, and this thing's done. And you know what? They grow back big, beautiful, lush, red roses. I don't want you to think I don't do any yard work. I do my share of the yard work. I get out there at halftime and between games. And if with grapes, you want a good crop. That's why you plant grapes. But you have to cut back the branches periodically. If you don't ever prune them, they're going to grow wild. And you're going to get, you know what, bad fruit. You can probably see the spiritual lesson in this. We have experiences of loss or becoming less, of being cut back in some way. And it often hurts. It's often painful. But the loving hand of our Father sometimes cuts us back because He wants to stimulate the growth of faith, the growth of love, the growth of trust in Him in our lives. And He wants all that other fruit to grow in our lives as well. He doesn't prune us to hurt us, although at times it does seem painful. But he does it to help us grow, to bear more fruit that brings glory to him. And the thing about this process of pruning is that you don't always prune off what is dead. Sometimes you prune what is very much alive. You even prune what is good. But there needs to be a clearing for something even better to grow And something even healthier to grow. Sometimes when God prunes our lives, it seems like the good things are just being taken away. There are times of cutting back in my life and loss. And I say, Lord, what in the heck are you doing? But if I'm patient. And I've learned if I trust him through all the seasons. I can often look back and I can see a deeper and a greater growth in me from the things that, you know, at the time they seem painful and unpleasant. But they bring a growth and a health. The genuine spirituality that Jesus speaks of is not unlimited personal development. It is his role is not to help me fulfill my personal potential so that I can discover myself. Jesus purpose is not to give me more and more and more. Our lives are not like lakes that just try to collect as much water as they possibly can. There is a lake like that in the world and water never goes out. Do you know what it's called? The Dead Sea. No, we are to be like lakes that are always being renewed with water coming in. And also water that is lost and goes out, keeps a freshness. And as we follow Jesus and as we know him personally, we find him calling us to submit to his pruning where he sometimes cuts things out of our lives. Now, while we may think that those would have been better things for us. He does it anyway, in order that we might bring things that flourish. And you know, the Lord's own deepest and ultimate pruning was the cross. That was not something evil on the cross. That was not something bad being killed. That was something good, beyond good. It was God's son. But what fruit it has brought, what a harvest the resurrection of Christ has given us. 
something in line with that waits on the other side of every cross that every faithful disciple of Christ goes through. The Father's goal is always fruitfulness. It is always life. It is always more of himself. Can we trust the gardener? Can we trust him with our lives when that cutting back happens? That he knows what he's doing, that he's shaping us for our good and conforming us into the image of his son. We keep that connection when we trust him for that cutting back. How else do we abide? How else do we make our home with Jesus? Maybe the most basic, perhaps the most obvious, is inviting him into our lives, establishing a relationship with him, becoming a branch. One of the first times that the word for remain is ever used in John's gospel is in chapter 4, when Jesus has this conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. We're going to hear more about this in a couple of weeks. She goes back to her village. She tells the people she has found the Messiah, and many people believe. And it says that the Samaritans urged Jesus to stay with them, to remain, to make their home with him, with them. And we're told Jesus remained there two days with those people, hung out with them. We ask Jesus to come into our hearts, to remain in our lives, to dwell there. This happens most easily when we pray for him to come. He does it through the Holy Spirit. Another time, Jesus says that he and the Father, we will come and we will make our home with you. Anyone who loves Jesus and obeys his teaching. You see, Christ desires to come and make his home in us. We are made for this relationship. In fact, Jesus wants that relationship more deeply and more desperately than we do. We maintain and we nurture this relationship. One way is, is through prayer, through that talking and uh, merely talking to Jesus. doesn't have to be long. doesn't have to be complex. But just as we go through the various activities of our lives and our days, we just lift up those prayers. Jesus, would you be with me? Jesus, help me to see you and hear you right now. Jesus, you are my shepherd. Jesus, just help me. We keep that connection. Second, we make our home with Jesus with the experience of worship. And I think particularly with communion when we do that on Sundays, the bread and the cup. The next time that verb remain or abide shows up is in chapter 6, verse 56, when Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in that person. In some spiritual way, by faith, when we share in the bread and the cup, we keep our connection with Jesus. I don't know exactly how this happens. I take Jesus' word by faith. I believe he knows how it happens and that he is good on his word. I've said before, if I could do it, and if you would let me, I would have us do communion every Sunday. And uh, maybe some of our members who come from Lutheran or Roman Catholic traditions want to shout amen on that. Uh, but even when we don't, I hope and I believe that what we do when we sing, when we pray, when we hear the word uh, read and preached and everything else we do in worship helps us to remain and abide in Christ. Weekly worship helps us keep our connection like branches taking a hold of the vine. We make our home with Jesus through his words, which is the word. Again, the word for remain is used in John 8. Jesus says, if you continue, make your home, remain 
In my word, you will be my disciples and you will come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Anytime we encounter Jesus' word in church, anytime we open the Bible and we just read it for ourselves, anytime we gather in a small group or a Bible study or, and we read the word together, anytime we listen to an audio version of the Gospels or, or have it downloaded and we listen to it in our car or on our iPod, we are keeping a connection to the vine. That's why having regular times of reading, listening to Jesus' words are so important. In my daily scripture readings, every day, if nothing else, I try to read something from the Gospels, some word, verse of Jesus. It might just only be one sentence. And quite frankly, that is all you need sometimes. Sometimes that's all you need for a week. Just keep going back to that every day. But if 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 through no other way, Jesus, I, I keep Jesus, that connection through his word. Hearing his words every day. Finally, we make our home with Jesus when we obey him. And Jesus says, you know, the primary way you obey me is to love others as I have loved you. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, here it is again, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus goes on to say, my command is this, that you love each other just as I have loved you. The love that Jesus invites us into is the love that he shares with his Father. And out of this huge well of divine love, we can draw the love that we need as we move with our much tinier containers into a love-starved world. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my container is awful small, and sometimes that small container gets awful empty. But we can draw from the love of Christ and that he shares with the Father right from that great well of love. You know, it's interesting, maybe some of you, when you think of fruit, you think of what Paul wrote in Galatians, that, that verse, the fruit of the Spirit when he lists all the fruit of the Spirit, which is always consistent with Jesus. And what's the first one on that list? Love. And when Paul writes about the gifts, and he says, you know, the greatest gift anybody, any Christian could have, above the gift of healing, above the gift of speaking in tongues, or prophetic insight, or above the gift of faith, above the gift of serving, above the gift of preaching, the greatest gift, he says, it's love. So consistent with Jesus. Love is the vital fruit in the Christian life, hands down. And you know, once a year, many churches, most churches, get together and have a worship service totally dedicated to these words of Jesus about his love and loving others. It will take place this Thursday night. We call it Maundy Thursday. Uh, Maundy is the Latin word that gives us our English word, commandment. And on this night, we remember Jesus' new commandment to love one another out of the deep well of love that God provides for us. If your container needs some renewal and some filling, see a Thursday night. We remain, we make our home with Christ when we prayerfully invite him to make his home with us. We remain in Christ when we worship with others, when we share in communion, we do this and remain connected to Christ when we hear, when we read, when we meditate and encounter His Word anytime, anyway, and we remain in Christ when we love others.
And of course, he may prune us back at times, but he only does it so that we will grow more. Matthew Henry once said that just as from a vine, we can look for grapes. So from a Christian, we can look for certain fruit. Can someone identify you as a follower of Jesus by the fruit in your life? By your connection to the vine? And are we connected? Are we remaining in the vine? You know, the fruit of the Christian life, certainly love, but there are other things. There's joy, which Jesus mentions here in his I am the vine teaching. There's also peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Perhaps other fruit like prayerfulness, humility, mercy, gratefulness. It's not just about being good or being moral. It's about bearing fruit. A fruit that lasts, a fruit that comes directly from Jesus. And these things will grow naturally in our lives if we just simply remain in the vine. Jesus Christ. To live in Him. To let His life just flow through us. You know, orange trees don't think about growing oranges. They just do it naturally. As long as the branches are staying connected to the tree, you're going to get oranges. The one thing the branch has to do, the one thing the branch has to do is just to remain. Abide. Stick to the vine. God will bring the fruit. And we will be fruitful disciples if that relationship with the vine is healthy. Let's pray. Lord, please help us to want to make our home with you. Please help us to remain in you, to cling to you so that your life can naturally flow into our lives, that we can be fruitful disciples. And hold on to us because we tend to want to break away. We especially pray that we would worship and honor you in this week when we remember how you gave your life on the cross so that we could have life. Give us a deeper appreciation for that life and for the life you give us. Amen.